Another Way to Play, episode 72. One of my favorite quotes is, break the rules, but don't be an a-hole. That's from my dad. (laughs) This is Kyle Elliott, career and life coach behind caffeineatkyle.com. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is my good friend, Kyle Elliott. Kyle is a career and life coach behind caffeinatedkyle.com, a self-proclaimed Starbucks addict. As a result of working with Kyle, students all the way up to C-level executives have landed jobs at places like Facebook, LinkedIn, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and nearly every other Fortune 100 and 500 company you can think of. Uh, They also have found happiness along the way because he talks about not only helping them find the career, but helping them get unstuck and having a life coaching component in his uh, offerings. He's official member of the invitation-only Forbes Coaches Council and a certified health education specialist through the National Commission of Health Education Credentialing. He has been featured on Forbes, Fast Company, The Muse, and The Ladders, among other leading publications. In this one, guys, Kyle and I get into a whole lot of stuff, specifically how he started uh, getting into the life coaching and career coaching world. He actually started just writing resumes for people as a side hustle in college and then ultimately started working four or five hours a day after he was doing his normal nine to five. And someone finally told him, yo, when are you going to take this full time? And he realized he could and he did. And now he is thriving. So we get into that transition, that conversation, as well as some practical tips on ways that he has helped his clients stand apart when they're up against thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of other applicants with resumes when it comes to the job that they really, really want. He also talks about the age discrepancy, especially when working with C-level executives and how he overcomes it. Uh, So he's got some really fantastic advice there that applies to any industry. So make sure you listen up for all of that. And before we get into the interview, guys, I want to just take a second and remind you, if you get value out of this one or any of the others that I put out, please head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review, leave me a little bit of feedback so that way uh, I know you're listening, I know you're getting value, and can implement any of the suggestions or thoughts you have, plus help grow the show through the algorithm boost that the review gives. So thank you in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's get into it with Kyle Elliott. Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you on. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's uh, definitely a pleasure and honor. Love your story. You know, you've got a lot of great content to get into. Before we get there, let's back up and let's, uh, let's give the audience a little bit of backstory. Where did your journey actually begin? 
When I think of my journey, what comes up because I'm a career coach is the fact that I've been working for as long as I can remember. When I was 11 or 12, I worked at our local fair during the summer. I would go at 11.30, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. There was a pizza stand and I would work there till like midnight for 10 or 11 days during the fair. And then later when I was turned 14, um, I told my parents, hey, when I turn 16, I want a car. So they said, okay, you better start working. So I got a work permit and was a busboy at our local diner. Later, when I was 16, I started working full-time, 30, 40 hours a week at our local Denny's. So I've always been working. So I think that was part of the transition that led to me career coaching later. But when I think of my childhood, I really think of work and always been working. Is that something that you think positively on or do you wish you would have taken a different route at that time? I think positively on that because it taught me a lot of hard work. It taught me grit. And really when I compare myself to other peers, when and I'm 27 now, most people who are 27 don't have over a decade of full-time work experience. So it's something that really sets me apart and has given me a leg up. And I really enjoy work. I think it'd be different if I was just working to work. I talk about this a lot with people. I really love my work and I've loved it for a long time. So I'm really thankful to be able to do that. So it's really one of my favorite hobbies. Do you feel like that your desire to work is more of an outcome base, like saving up to get a car, for example, or is it more the process of completing tasks, getting something done, the moment by moment sort of engagement in whatever you're doing? It's definitely transitioned over time, and I love that question. It used to be more the outcome. I was very driven by the money. I wanted a new car. I wanted to save for college. Um, I love coffee, so I wanted coffee. We had a subway on campus, so I wanted to buy pizza because our subway had really amazing pizza, <laughs> so I loved it. And now I love the process. I really enjoy the resumes I write. I wouldn't say I love resume writing, but I love the outcome of helping my clients. And Mm -hmm. I love the process of coaching people. I do career and life coaching and I absolutely love, love, love the coaching process of working with people. So now, I mean, the output is amazing of helping people find jobs and get unstuck, but I absolutely love the process too. And just sitting with someone in their stuckness and then slowly seeing them get unstuck and be like, wow, I can land this amazing job or I can have happiness that I never thought I could have. That's really very cool. We want to get back to that because I have some other questions about that before we get to that point. So you, you're in college, you'd already have some pretty substantial work experience, uh-huh. but you didn't always want to be a, a coach or a, you know, writing resumes and helping people with their career counseling. Like, so talk to us how that came into your life. Yes, I never planned to run a business full-time or be a career coach. Even really weeks, maybe a month before I left my job, I never planned to make that jump to doing it full-time, which I think is really cool and different compared to a lot of business owners who are saving or getting a degree in business or saying, hey, I'm going to go launch this huge business. I originally wanted to do nursing. Um, I wanted to run a hospital, maybe be a COO. And I had these ambitions of helping people. And I realized that was really the common theme between everything I did was helping people. But every time I went to help people, it just didn't feel exactly right. I wanted to do nursing, but it just didn't feel exactly right. I wanted to run a hospital, but it didn't feel exactly right. And finally, once I found resume writing, LinkedIn, career coaching, I was like, oh, this feels right. I'm really helping people 
figure out what's unique and different about them, and then leveraging that to find a job, to find happiness, to make money, whatever it is that's our end goal. And I was like, ooh, this feels right. But it definitely wasn't something that was just overnight. And I found that's the same Mm -hmm. process for my clients. It's not just overnight they say, I want to be an engineer or a product manager or a finance director. It's a process. And I had to go through that process myself. So I know where my clients have been and I know what that journey is like. So I'm able to go through that journey with them and say, I've been there. I've done that. Now let me help you. That's really fantastically said. Can you break down that first moment when you just had that like spark and you just sort of knew like, yeah, maybe there's something off to the left here. I'm going into medicine and maybe thinking I want to get management position someday And all of a sudden, there's this other direction coming along. Like, how did you grapple with that? And then what did your process actually look like? I would say really the when I made the biggest transition was the six months leading up to me going to run my business full time. I was working 30-ish hours a week running my business. And then I was working another 60 hours a week at my full-time job. So I was balancing Mm -hmm. both. I would go to work from nine to six or seven. And then I would stay in my office at work from seven to midnight running my business. So I was balancing the two. And I said, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this. And then over time I said, what if all that time during the day and at night, I was going from 9am till midnight running my business. What could this be? What would that look like? So over time I started thinking about that and really saying, what would happen if I dedicated all this time to my clients. So that was a really pivotal moment for me to kind of just have that spark come up. And really, it wasn't internal. It was other people around me asking, well, when are you going to take your business full time? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Well, when are you going to take your business full time? When are you going to leave this job and go do that? And I had never actually thought about that. I never planned to run a business. It was never my intention. It really took other people asking that question. It was really powerful for me to be like, hmm, this can be a full-time business and I can go do this and help people. So then I started putting that into motion. So you were, I mean, for lack of a better term, you were in the weeds of your day-to-day operations. You sort of saw this path of like, this is side hustle and this is like normal life, you know, nine Mm -hmm. to five world. Right. And all of a sudden someone drops this little, nugget into your lap and it opens up this entire different trajectory that obviously now sent you into the world of entrepreneurship and you know or solopreneurship even and very different than what you were doing before yeah and now that we're talking about this no one's asked it quite the way you have which i now appreciate and i'm curious who dropped that nugget or what people did because i feel like now as i think back on it a lot of people have asked about that um and were asking me when am i going to make that jump and i'm not sure why i never thought about making it or i think like you said i really thought of it as a side hustle and said here's my side hustle here's my full-time work and i think part of it is that i'm in my late 20s and there aren't a lot of people who are career coaches or resume writers, at least legit career coaches and Mm -hmm. resume writers, working with people, actually helping them land jobs, not just pushing them through a funnel. So I think that's part of the reason I never thought about that. I didn't see people doing what I'm doing. A lot of people have described me as a trailblazer. So I think that's why I just never saw that as a path Mm -hmm. because there was no path. I was the one who was defining that path and saying... I'm going to go create this. So it kind of took other people saying, hey, Kyle, I think there's a path out there. How about you go create it? Yeah, that's really interesting. That sort of age thing that you just brought in, especially in some higher up positions, you know, you're expecting to see people in their 40s or 50s 
you know, in that world and coaching those people and just sort of surrounding them, right? Like we're the, you know, thirties and the 20 somethings or, you know, the entry levels we're, we're getting a promotion or two, but mm-hmm. it's not until you get older. Right. So for you to sort of not see that and have that laid out in front of you, it, clearly kind of defined you and pushed you into one direction. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, why can't I be this other version here? Like who says that I'm, you know, stuck and have to wait or have to do it a certain way. Like I can go forge my own path. Precisely. And I think just as when I was 12 and working 12 hours a day or at the fair or when I was 14 at the diner or working full time at Denny's when a lot of my coworkers were twice my age, I think I was just used to, well, why can't I do this? Why can't I just go do this? Who cares about age? And I think that's just followed me and resulted Mm. in me doing this. It's interesting. A lot of clients one of the first questions they ask is, how old are you? Because usually they're about twice my age. But then once they get past that, it's a non-issue. Speaking of that, you've sort of segued us very well. How do you handle that? Because I can imagine if you're talking to someone in their 50s who's looking to step into a C-level role in some way, and all of a sudden here comes Kyle, 27-year-old that's supposed to help me do it, initially there's got to be some kind of a shock there, right? So how do you overcome that, especially in like the sales process and like the upfront business development world? One of the most valuable things I found is not telling people statements or saying, here's why you should hire me, but instead asking questions and asking what they're looking for from a coach or a resume writer. And typically they're asking for someone to give them a different perspective or a different idea or show them something they haven't seen before. And then as they start answering what they're looking for, they realize that they hire someone who thinks just like them, who's also an executive, who's also in their 50s. They're going to get the same thing they've been doing, which is not working. So by hiring someone like me with a different perspective, who may be similar in age as the recruiter, who's going to be seeing their resume for the first time, they're like, oh, maybe hiring someone who isn't like me, who is half my age, is going to give me a different perspective, is actually going to be helpful. So instead of me just telling them that, I help them come to that realization, hmm, maybe this unique, different perspective is what's been missing. I've just been in this echo chamber that hasn't been serving me well in my job search and in my career and helping me stand out in the crowd. I love that. And I love that you dropped something in there, which is like in the you know, nine to five world in companies often. So I don't know all the titles, but the HR person, whoever's receiving the resume in the beginning, speaking of the 20 or 30 something is probably 20 or 30 or earlier on because they're given the grunt work of Mm -hmm. siphoning through a bunch of resumes to Mm -hmm. figure out the top 10. And so if you've put something in front of them that catches their eye, you've sort of gotten past that first gatekeeper Mm -hmm. without even saying a word, right? And what I was just going to say is like to that point, you know, there are the big pieces of the puzzle, like how we, you know, structure a resume or how we write something physically on a copy. But when you have to go in and actually dissect how the end user, in this case, that HR person is going to use that, that copy, that content you've just created, it gives you a very different perspective. And I think that's something you've absolutely mastered in that way, because you're totally right. It's not something that you can just have resonated across age groups and across everybody just because it's, you know, that content in this case, the resume has such a great 
verbiage written by someone who's very high level, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And there's different ways that people become trained in resume writing and career coaching and different paths. And there's no right or wrong path. Some people it's working in an executive, some people it's gaining certifications, some people it's um, getting a degree, other people for me what it was, and some people take a multi-pronged approach. But for me, it was really reaching out to literally thousands of recruiters and hiring managers. Every time my client wanted to work somewhere, if they wanted to be a product manager at Google, I would reach out to technical recruiters and say, hey, I have a client who wants to be a product manager. What do you look for in the resume? And just learning over and over that way, instead of saying, hey, I've been an executive, I'm going to assume I know what a resume wants. But instead, reaching out to people and really hearing from them what they look for. When you reach out to those people, do you find that they give you the time of day and that they answer your questions or do they often blow you off? It is amazing how helpful they are. I'm surprised. I've had people send me their interview questions that they ask people. And I've had people say, okay, here's the perfect resume and what I want. It's amazing. I remember one executive at a company. I was like, hey, I have a client. He just graduated from Berkeley. He's really interested in working here. Do you have 20 minutes for a quick phone call? And he's like, oh, I'll do one better. I'll take him on a tour. And he took him on a tour of the company and then had my client sent him the jobs he was interested in and forwarded his resume to each hiring manager. And this is a big executive reporting to the CEO of a Fortune 100 company in Silicon Valley. And it's amazing how helpful these people are. Mm -hmm. I used to, I present on this a lot. I used to be able to say, I've never gotten a no. And I got a lot of silence, but I never got a no. I've now had one no, and I remember this person's name and I'm frustrated with them still. But um, (laughs) other than this one person, I've never gotten a no. I've I'm constantly amazed by how helpful people are and willing to respond. And I think recruiters just get so frustrated with horrible resumes that I'm trying to reach out and make their job easier by writing good resumes and helping clients interview better that they respond. And what you just touched on there, I think is critical because it's not just reaching out and be like, hey, help me. It's like, hey, I'm going to try and help you. Like, how do I make this as easy of a layup as humanly possible for you? You know, help me help you kind of thing. And I'm sure your reach out message is, is specific to the person in the job and the industry, but it has some form of value for that person. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I think the goal of the resume really is. It's one singular goal is you have a thousand applicants or 10,000 applicants. Here's why you should interview me over all these other people. Let me make your job easy. And I think that's why I'm so successful as a resume writer is because I help my clients do that, help them stand out from all these other people. And sometimes that will get you in the no pile and that's okay. We want to polarize them. We don't want you to be in the hell maybe pile. No one gets interviewed if they're a hell maybe. We want you to be a hell no or a hell yes. Yep. That polarization component with resumes, with Instagram content, with podcasts for that matter, Mm -hmm. people want to be everything to everyone, right? And you want to be on all the platforms and all the same, in all the ways and this and that. But you just said you want to be a hell no or a hell yes. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you define the line between, you know, being polarizing versus, you know, being vanilla? Like what practical ways do you go about doing that? One of my favorite quotes is break the rules, but don't be an a-hole. That's from my dad. (laughs) And that's something I actually give a keynote on that exact topic. And I think that's it right there. Sometimes you have to break the rules with your resume or with your job search or when you're interviewing, but don't be an a-hole. Don't be mean. Don't just do it for no reason, but have some strategy behind it and be intentional 
in the rules you break and really go back to that reasoning of why you're doing it is to help say, hey, you have all these people. Here's how I stand out from them. Here's what sets me apart. Or maybe you're not looking for this. Hey, here's this thing I offer that no one else does. I speak three or four languages. And if they're like, oh, that's not helpful, then okay, that's not helpful. Maybe I'm going to go find a company where that would be helpful to them and that's okay. But really just try and make it clear for that recruiter and hiring manager how you're different. Yeah, really, really well said. I told you that I was, I was going to kind of loop back to, to what you had talked about earlier relative to what you really enjoy, the outcome, you know, helping people achieve their goals, get unstuck. That to me sort of lends itself to the question about passion in your job or in your business. Like how important do you find uh, passion to be when you're working in a business or starting a company or starting your own venture versus uh, doing something you're good at that you can charge a lot of money for and then do the pa- the passion projects outside of that? I think this is one of the most contested questions out there um, when it comes to careers is do you have to be passionate about the work you do? Personally, I have to be passionate. That's what drives me is my passion and the love for the work I do. I can't just do something and go work 40, 50, 60 hours a week because I just, I don't know what drives people besides passion, but For others, I recognize that they are driven by other things. I'm not sure what that is. I'm still trying to figure out that for other people, that's them. But that's specifically why my tagline is I help people find jobs they love or at least tolerate. Because for me, I have to love my job. That's critical. I have to be passionate about. But for other people, they can just tolerate it. I always share my dad as an example. He does not love his job. He doesn't hate it. He tolerates it. Um, He's an amazing worker. He exceeds all his metrics. But it's not something he's so passionate about where he's like, oh my gosh, I get to go to work. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. And that's okay. I would say he has passion, but it's not for work. It's for family and other things. And his work allows him to pursue those passions. So it's probably the answer is find what's true for you Mm -hmm. and do some of the self-work and the self-analysis to understand what kind of person you are what gets your fire lit, you know, and what doesn't. And then Uh use that as your guiding post as opposed to Uh seeing something posted on Instagram or YouTube video about how if you find your passion, the money will come and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and some people, their fire will be lit at work and some people will be lit outside of work. And that's okay either way, whatever works for you. I think there's these ideas of what you should or shouldn't do and it really, it depends on you and what works for you. Absolutely. Speaking of social media and what works for you, I saw a video prepping for this interview about your LinkedIn strategy, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So I would love for you to share that with us and then talk about why you do it that way as opposed to Mm. um, maybe the more traditional way. Yeah, I think it goes back to my dad breaking the rules, but don't be an a-hole. I share some non-traditional stuff on LinkedIn. One example was a post on my partner and I going to Disneyland or another picture of us at Pride and me kissing him. And when you think of LinkedIn, people say, oh, it's a quote-unquote professional site. You shouldn't share about your relationships, these sorts of things. But I found at the end of the day, when it comes to work, we all just want to connect to each other on a personable level, on a human-to-human level. And I can post all day long about resumes, about LinkedIn, about interviews, networking, salary negotiation, anything you think of. And then as soon as I post about me as a human, that's what gets people to work with me. There's so many coaches out there. It's saturated. So people want to work with people. So as soon as I post that, people end up working with me. And I don't 
posts that stuff to generate business. It just happens as soon as I start sharing it, people are ready to start working together. So it's been interesting to share it. And I get backlash sometimes. I've been called the F word. I've been called a homo, you name it. But it's been amazing too, the support I've gotten and how welcoming people are to see those topics that are considered taboo talked about on LinkedIn. Because we can't separate our personal or professional. I can't go to work and then no longer have a partner or no longer be queer. That's not how it works. You can't just separate those. So that's why I like talking about those mm-hmm. because they're so critical to who we are as humans. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Don't follow the rules, but don't be an a-hole. What was the quote? I'm, oh yeah, just break the rules, but don't break be the an rules. a-hole. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I'm just sort of resonating with it in so many ways and talking about you know sharing the personal stuff as well as the business stuff because I, I agree with you when you go into somebody's real estate page and it's all like open house this weekend, buy this, sell that, you know, and it's just half of it's non-copyright photos anyways. And you can just tell it's like so void of personality that you're like, who is this person? Whereas if you post about your life, your personality, just as often as you post about the houses you're selling, you know, people are like, Oh, I see what this person stands for. I see who they are and I like them and I want to engage with them more. And hopefully then in a business relationship. Precisely. Cause when I think of like, I hired a nutrition coach recently. And when I think of her, I loved that she posted about her kid and what she's eating. I and mean, obviously that's related to nutrition, but not just in a sense of here's what you should eat, but just a picture of her food. Here's me making breakfast and her kid and her family. And mm-hmm. that's the stuff that matters is really connecting on a human to human level. It's like 90, 95% of our decisions are based on the subconscious and the emotions, not just here's some logic. Let me give you some facts. And speaking of the human to human thing, um, I also, I think in that same interview that I was referencing earlier, heard you talk about carrying a cup of coffee into an interview. And yes. that, I thought that was so funny because I hadn't heard it. So I want you to tell that, but I also want you to sort of follow it up with some other human to human ideas that you give your clients when they're going into a job interview to engage with another individual who is going to make a hiring decision. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the coffee piece. I think this was the interview I did with Entra Port, perhaps. Yeah, um, that one. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking, someone told me you shouldn't carry a coffee cup into an interview. I don't know why. There's all these shits out there and these rules. What's wrong with breaking some rules? Like when I do presentations, I have these glittery Gucci shoes I wear. Because mm-hmm. people say you shouldn't do stuff like that. So why can't I just do it to stand out? Um, I remember I gave a keynote and I have Yeezys. So I wear these like zebra Yeezys to the keynote because I was the opener for that conference. Then the next three or four days, everyone was talking to me. Oh, you're the Yeezys guy. Let's talk about your shoes. So I love just breaking rules, but not being an a-hole. I'm not just doing it to get attention or whatever, but to create some conversations, show people it's okay to be yourself and to show yep. up. and. Yep not just say, here's these rules I need to follow ABC, but recognize where you're unique and it's okay to show your uniqueness and share it with the world. Love that. When you are coaching your clients to go into an interview and they've gotten the call, the resume got them in the door, you know, what kind of things beyond sort of the X's and O's do you typically tell them to do with that recruiter or that HR person? 
Yeah, I was actually just doing an interview coaching session this morning and I was helping the person prep. One of the biggest things I like doing is helping people prepare like a politician. So we're going through debates right now in the U.S. At least the Democratic debates are interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. And I found if you watch the politicians, they don't really answer the questions. They somewhat do, but they already have stories they want to share ready about here's what makes me amazing and separates me from other candidates. So I encourage my clients to do something similar, craft a handful of really powerful stories to say, you have a thousand applicants, here's what sets me apart from them. So when I coach clients, I don't just do a mock interview, okay, let me ask you a question, you respond. I instead help them craft a few stories to say, here's what sets me apart from everyone else. And I think that's the key to a really powerful interview. Yeah, really well said. Because Again, people can go in X's and O's, talk about their metrics, talk about their numbers, you know, shake hands, do the thing. But it's that human connection. Like we say this all the time in our open houses, like people walk in, see five, 10 houses in a day. And like, what's the thing or the the way that they're going to remember that house? Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's the agent. Hopefully I did something positive to them, whether they want to hire me or not, or whatever is another conversation. Or maybe it's a, a mural in the house, or it's a little yep. secret room that's in the back of the closet, or, you know, it's something like that, that just, just a little bit out of all the other houses, they remember that one. Yes, I always tell clients, I'm like, okay, you just gave me this pitch or you just gave me this story that you massage to fit this question, the answer. What's going to be that sticky item? I think that's what you're describing perfectly Mm -hmm. is what's going to be that one thing that sticks in their mind. It could be that smell of cookies in that one house or it could be that, oh my God, that one had that beautiful backyard with that redwood. Whatever it is, that's the key to interview too is they're going to be interviewing a lot of people. What's going to stick in their mind? And that's why I like breaking rules is because when we break rules, we stick in people's minds. And the same for the resume or the LinkedIn, if you break one little rule, you're going to stick in someone's mind. That's awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for all the value you've brought and all the conversation so far. I uh, do want to respect the rest of your day because I know you've got a lot of clients to serve. So I'm going to transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yes. First question, what book have you gifted most often? I'm present over perfect. So it's a book on focusing on being present instead of trying to fight perfectionism. It's funny. I just heard a statistic that was some Forbes article or something did that the top performers do the right actions like 64% of the time. And I think, you know, that sort of shocked me of like, oh, you'd think that they're like 99%, right? But it sounds like that book says something to that that effect as well. Oh yeah, it's such a good book. I highly recommend it. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? I would say Hillary Clinton. And it's funny because I shared that on another show and they said, wow, she could probably use some career coaching. (laughs) So I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) I think Hillary Clinton, because I think she's just such an interesting person when it comes to her career her personal branding. I just watched her documentary on Hulu and no matter what she did with her personal brand, it was never good enough for people. And then the other person, I know you said one person, but the second person would probably be Kris Jenner. I think Mm. she's just truly amazing when it comes to personal branding. And a lot of my clients kind of describe me as a momager when it comes to their personal brand and their career. So I think it'd be interesting to meet her as well and all these child prodigies she's created and all these multi-million and billion dollar brands she's created around people. That's so cool. 
Great answers. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? I believe everyone is fabulous. I think everyone is truly fabulous and there's fabulous things about them regardless of the person. Seek to understand. That's a Mm -hmm. topic of our last team meeting last week Mm -hmm. and it's kind of similar to what you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your morning routine. How do you start your day? I would say this kind of goes into the previous one. Um, I am not a morning person. I don't think you have to be a morning person to be successful, but it's typically checking emails, responding to clients, checking social media, responding to people. Um, I eat breakfast every morning, have coffee, and then usually just those four things. I am not a morning person. So I have about 17 alarms that go off and that I snooze. My partner, he gets off up in the first alarm and I have like 17 snoozes. And then finally, once I get up, it's slowly getting through those emails and social media. Awesome. And Kyle, you've been really awesome today. You've brought a ton of value. Where can the audience connect with you online the most? Yes, my website, caffeinatedkyle.com. And then I spend a ton of time on LinkedIn. So Kyle Elliott on LinkedIn. We're going to drop all of that down in the show notes, guys, so you can very, very easily connect with Kyle. He's got a lot of great content out there, as we talked about on LinkedIn and some of his other platforms. Um, So go check him out there. Kyle, man, thank you so much. Do you have any parting thoughts for the guests before we sign it off today? One of my favorite tips is to seek out people who are where you want to be in a few years and really take their advice and their mentorship. That's one of the best pieces of advice I've learned is reaching out to people who are where I want to be in a few years and learning from them. That's awesome advice. Well, with that, we'll sign it off. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. And that does it for today. If you want to connect with Kyle, the show notes is the place to do that. I've got his website, caffeinatedkyle.com, as well as his LinkedIn profile loaded up down there. So take some time, go show him some love and see what he's all about. He's got a lot of great content out there. So go check him out. And while you're down in the show notes, if you want to connect with me personally, really looking forward to continuing those calls with you guys head down into the show notes as well. Right at the bottom, I've got my Calendly link um, that puts you right on my calendar. We can get a quick 15-minute chat, just get to know each other a little better and hopefully connect. And I can keep learning who you are, how I can keep providing you value and how to keep making the show better and better. So thanks in advance for that. And until then, this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.